sweet presence here this morning. Um, I'm Pastor Ben. I've been here uh, just over six months now. Um, we love it here. <laughs> it's 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 really been a it's been a I don't know me and my wife just reflecting on the last six months. Man, it's been it's been awesome. <laughs> it's been uh, I don't know, man. Just really every area of our life, I just feel like we've stepped into something. You know, the theme last year was restoration. We feel, even in our own life, man, just so many things. We stepped into that. It's, it's been awesome. It's been, our heart is here. You guys are, yeah. <laughs> I was reading, just before I really start, uh, in Matthew chapter 17, uh, Jesus tells uh, well, let's read it here it says uh, in chapter 17 verse 24 after Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum the, the collectors of the two Dachma texts came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter Peter came into the house, Jesus was, was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked. From where did the, the king of the earth collect all the taxes from their own sons, the others? From others, Peter answered. Then the sons are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so... That we may not be not may not offend them, go to the lake and throw out your your line. Take the fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Just a, a interesting thing that Lord, kind of my heart for young people. I looked into this verse a little, dug into it a little more. The temple tax was only for those. 20 and over. Looked into it a little, little further. Some most, most commentaries and scholars said that John was 16 years old. Jesus had a youth group. <laughs> so, this morning, I'm, I'm the youth pastor, so I'm going to speak as if I'm speaking to youth. Is that okay? <laughs> you all should be in Mark right now, right? So let's go to Mark chapter 5. Jesus, we pray for the message this morning. Lord, pray that you would open our hearts open our ears. God, we want to hear what you have for us as a, as a church. God, for, yeah, Lord, pray that you use me. 
But Lord, I would not. I'm just an extension cord. I'm not taking any glory. Help me be plugged into you, Jesus. Mark chapter 5, verse 24. Uh, I'm going to be actually reading from the Amplify from my phone because it has the Amplify. Uh, It gives a little more... Try not to follow along too much in your your own Bible because I I, I feel like... Just sit back and enjoy the story this morning. I feel like... Yeah. In the second part of verse 24, and a great crowd kept following him and impressed him from all sides so as to almost suffocate him. And, woman, and there was a woman who had, had the flow of blood for, for 12 years and endured much suffering under the hands of many physicians and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, instead she grew worse. She had heard the reports concerning Jesus and she came up behind him in the, in the throng and touched his garment for she kept saying, if I touch his garments, I shall be restored to health. And immediately the flow of blood was dried up from the source. And suddenly she felt her body was healed from her distressing ailment. Jesus, recognizing himself that power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around immediately in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Disciples kept saying to him, you, you see the crowds pressing against you. They're all, they're all around you from, from all sides. And you ask, who touched me? Silly keeps looking around to see who had done it. The woman, knowing what had, had been done for her, through the, though alarmed and frightened and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said, yes. He said to her, daughter, your faith, your trust, your confidence in me, springing from faith in God, has has restored you to health. Go into peace and be healed and free from your distressing bodily disease. This woman was sick for 12 years. 12 years. 12 years, can you imagine? You've been sick, every, all of us have been sick one time or another, right? I can done a lot of traveling missionary stuff. I could show you, tell stories, and would be good. Twelve years she was sick. She had spent everything she had. Instead of getting better, she only got worse. She spent it all, everything. Instead of getting better, she only grew worse. She hears about Jesus. She hears about Jesus. Who is this Jesus? She heard about him. She, so she said to herself, I'm going to go, I'm going to fight to touch him. Was she the only one that touched Jesus in this crowd? No. You think she was the only one that had any kind of ailment? Probably not. It was the one, one example of where Jesus walking in in who he was, healing and power just came forth out of him. Jesus and who he is. 
is meeting with us here Sunday morning. How many times when we come to church, we can be right next to him, we can be pressing up against him in the crowd and go out the same way we came in, the same way we came in. Because there's no, there's no, uh, I expect to go there this morning and hear and touch, and I'm going to fight to touch him. I'm going to fight past distractions. I'm going to fight past everything that, uh, I'm going to fight past it and I'm going to touch Jesus. I'm going to get something from him. Because I've heard reports and I've heard other people talking about him. I've heard people, I've heard what they, I've spent everything. I've spent everything on, uh, the world spends everything on everything. I spent everything I had on drugs, and it didn't give me anything. I spent everything I had on, 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 you name it. I spent it all, and instead of getting better, really, I only get worse. There, the world is looking for the peace and the hope and the joy and the purpose and the reason to live that Jesus has for us. It's what they're looking for. They spend everything. Instead of getting better, they only got worse. Jesus, man, I don't want to. I don't want to come to church Sunday morning and be one of those ones that just touched him in the crowd and I actually got so pressed up against him he was suffocating and go on the same way I came in. I don't want to. I don't want to live that way. I want to come saying, God, I want to meet with you. We sing songs about a cross. He paid the price, man, so that we could have relationship with him. And he's not some God that's out there weird and spooky. He's personal. He's intimate. He's, oh, sorry, i got to get a drink. All right. So, I wanted to talk this morning about Expectation. But this story kind of leads into expectation. Starts with desperation. Turn to John chapter 11. I'm going to actually read this out of the Amplified also. How many of you know the story of Lazarus? You've all heard it before, right? Listen to this. A certain man named Lazarus was ill. He was of Bethany, the village where Mary and his sister Martha lived. This Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was now sick. So the sister sent him, saying, Lord, the one whom you love so well is sick. When Jesus received the message, he said, This sickness will not end in death. On the contrary, it is to honor God and to promote his glory that the Son of, my, Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They were his dear friends, and he held them in loving esteem. 
Therefore, even when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two days longer, the same place where he was. Did you hear that? (laughs) First thing he says is, it's not going to end in death. The end of this is not death. Second thing he says, he loved them. He heard that Lazarus is sick. He loved them. So he stayed where he was two more days. I think Jesus knew what was going on. Therefore, even when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two, two days longer in the same place where he was. Then after that interval, he and his disciples, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbis, the Jews only were intending on trying to stone you, and you, you're thinking of going back there again? So basically... They were in Judea not long ago, and they were throwing rocks at them, and the disciples are saying, man, those rocks hurt. Why are we going back there? This is Jesus' answer. Are there not 12 hours in a day? Anyone who walks about in the daytime does not stumble because he sees by the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he does not stumble because there is no light in him. The light is lacking to him. He said these things, and our friend Lazarus is in rest, in, is at rest in sleeping. But I'm going there to awaken him out of his sleep. I would be a little confused. Jesus, why are we going back to Judea? And Jesus' answer, are there not 12 hours of daylight? <laughs> what? Basically, if you break it down, I think what he was saying was, walk with me, you're in the light, you're going to be just fine. He said, Lazarus is at rest and sleeping. I'm going there to wake him up because he's asleep. The disciples answered, Lord, is he sleeping? He'll, he'll recover. However, Jesus had spoken of his death, but the thought of that, thought that he referred to falling a, into a refreshing and natural sleep. And Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Jesus starts this whole scenario by saying, this sickness is not going to end in death. And now he's saying to the disciples, Lazarus is dead, plainly. He's dead. Sounds like a little contradiction, huh? I think Jesus knew what was happening. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. It will help you to believe and trust and rely on me. However, let us go to him. Then Thomas, the one called the twin, said to the fellow disciples, let's go, that we may die also, along with him. (laughs) Let's go, because Jesus just wants to die. I don't know. So when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had been already in the tomb four days. This is significant because in the, in the Jewish culture and what they believed, that a person's soul stayed with its body for three days after death. He comes on the fourth day just to make sure everybody knows he's dead. He's really dead. 
Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away. A considerable number of Jews had gone out to see Martha and Mary and console them concerning their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, while Mary remained sitting in the house. Martha said, said to Jesus, Master, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask God, he will, he will grant you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again, Martha. Martha replied, I know that he will rise again on the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am myself the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me and hears and trusts and relies on me, although he may die, yet he shall live. Whoever continues to live and believes and has faith in and cleaves and relies on me shall never actually die at all. Do you believe this? She said, yes, yes, Lord, I believe. I do believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of God. Even who he who has come into the... Oops, I hit the wrong button. <laughs> uh, sorry. Yes, Lord, I believe. Uh, verse 28, after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary privately, whispering to her, the teacher is close at hand and asking for you. When she heard this, she sprang up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still the same, same spot where Mary had met him. When the Jews were sitting with her in the house and consoling her, saw how hastily Mary had risen and gone out. They followed her, supposing she had gone to the tomb to, to pour out her grief there. When Mary came to the place where Jesus was and saw him, she dropped down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her sobbing and, and the Jews who came with her also sobbing, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. He chafed in his spirit and sighed at what was disturbed and was disturbed. He said, "There was, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, the one, come and see. Jesus wept. Jesus said this, how tenderly, look how, see how tenderly he loved him. And some of them said, could not the one who opened the blind eyes have prevented this man from dying? Jesus again, sighing repeatedly and deeply disquieted, approached the tomb. It was a cave, a hole in a rock, and a boulder against it, the entrance, the entrance to, to close it. Jesus said, Take away the stone, Martha, and the sister and, and the dead man exclaimed, But Lord, by, by now he's, he's decaying, it throws off an offensive odor. For he's been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did, did I not tell you and promise you that if you would believe and rely on me, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Yes, I know that you always hear and listen to me. But I have said this on account of you and to benefit you from the people standing around so that you may be, they may believe you and did send me that you have made me your messenger. That he has said this, shouted in a loud, after he said this, he shouted in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And out walked a man who had been dead, his hands and feet wrapped, burial clothes, linen strips, and with a burial napkin bound his face. Jesus said to them, free him the burial wrappings and let him go. Uh, sorry, it's kind of long, but 
Oh, I just think. Jesus knew what was happening the whole time. He knew that this situation and this circumstance, this thing was going to bring glory to him. Yet, their expectations were on the situation and circumstance. They were, I always give this example. I went um, almost six years ago, I got a little over, over six years ago, Thanksgiving, day before Thanksgiving, I asked my wife, my girlfriend, to, to marry me. She said yes. I went through this big, huge ordeal. I had, I had uh, flowers and roses and uh, garland and Christmas lights and flower petals and uh, it was just went went crazy I, I get to this place in her bedroom I had transformed it it looked like a jungle she was like and in the middle of the jungle I had a, a communion set up a communion together I, I washed her feet and I said I want to serve you the rest of my life Now, what would that have done to my heart if I said, I want to serve you the rest of my life? And she looked at the ring and said, this is the best you could do. <laughs> After the biggest decision of my life, I'm, 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 I was, oh, biggest question I've ever asked. If she would have said to me, is this really the best you could do? It would have broke my heart. So, this is really what Mary and Martha did to Jesus. It's really the best you could do. If you'd have been here a couple days ago, Lazarus wouldn't have died. If you could have been here in my situation and in my circumstance, Lazarus, if you'd have been here when, when, when my marriage was falling apart, if you'd have been here when, when we, our finances were drying up, if you'd have been here in, 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 in the chaos and the confusion and the, oh, Jesus, if you'd just been here. And we look at him and say, this is really the best you could do, Jesus. He sees the, the situation and circumstances in your life and he sees, and, he, and, and he's seeing the whole picture. And he's saying, I see how it's going to, my glory is going to be revealed through this situation. I see it. I've seen it all along. I see how, how what the enemy meant for destruction and evil, I'm going to take it and turn it for good and bring glory to myself. I see the situation and circumstances you're going through. It, 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 it's not good. It's really the best you could do, Jesus. Broke his heart. I think... The scripture saying Jesus wept. Shortest, it's easy one to memor memorize, right? Why would, why would Jesus weep if he knew what was happening the whole time? He, 
he knew the outcome. I think he was a little bit heartbroken because they really their expectation level was so I think it also speaks of Jesus' compassion on people and his, you know what, I, I hate it when you hurt. I hurt where you hurt. I feel it when you hurt. Even though I know the outcome, even though I know how years from now this situation you're going through is going to bring glory to myself, even though I know it's going to bring you closer to me, even though I, I know that, it's, it's still... Oh, I think Jesus is hard to say, man. Even when Jesus walked this earth, man, can I can I just do it a different way, please? We talked about this morning the love of God, the love of the Father. Some of you here this morning, you're because of your perception of your earthly father and the and the, the relationship you had with your earthly father affects the way you look at your heavenly father. I, I grew up in a home where, you know those Pinewood Derby cars? I entered one of them Pinewood Derby contests. My, my, my dad helped me with it. Man, we worked so hard. I made this thing. It, it looked like the Batmobile. It was awesome. I still have it to this day. I raced this car. Man, it was so slow. I'm like, on top of that, my sister won. And then to top it all off, she got best design. And I can remember going in that situation just being like, oh, I did this with my dad. I wanted to please him so much. I was in, I don't know, fifth grade or something. I can remember going to bed crying. And my dad hearing me cry. And he made a trophy for me. He said, Ben, my son, I love you no matter what. I just thank God for a dad and a father who gave me who gave me that example. It doesn't matter if I preached an amazing sermon this morning and oh yeah, that was amazing, or I could just be a son. I could totally. You know what? I'm still his son, and he's still proud of me, and he still loves me, and he still cares about me, and he's still he's still proud of me some your view of a father and view of a because you've been through hurt and pain and situations and circumstances you look at him and say god where were you instead of saying god just show me your love please i once in Proverbs, it says a righteous man falls seven times, right? You heard that, only to get up again. I always heard it illustrated like this. 
Righteous man falls seven times. Gets knocked down. He always gets up. Right? Get it? Christ has come, gets, gets up. And guess who everybody comes running to? You've gone through situations, hurt, pain, circumstances in your life. You've gone through... I, I can honestly say this morning to you, I, I, I'm not making light of any situation or anything you're going through, but there's people in here this morning, you've gone through something, you've said to yourself, I don't understand, I don't know why, but God, you're actually angry at the Lord. I'm telling you, he's brought you through something that maybe even years from now you're going to be, look, be able to look back and say, that's why I went through that, so I could minister to this broken, hurting person. So I could minister to them. It's one of the things we can stand on. I don't know how and why God works the way he does. I don't know why the, the Ben that, that has to go through junk ends up being the better Ben that, that the Ben who gets it easy and doesn't go through anything. I don't, I don't understand. I, I don't understand how, how God can take something so tragic and something so, oh, my heart is so broken and hurting and use it for his glory and use it for... out of those wounds, being able to minister. Out of those wounds, being able to speak into somebody's life and say, you know what, I really know what you're going through. And I'm not just saying that. I know what you're going through. Jesus had the same, I know what you're going through. Oh, and it kills me. Can I get the worship team back up? I I had other stuff to share, but I really feel like I feel like we need to respond. You might be here this morning. You're like that the woman with the issue of blood. I've spent everything I had, and I'm not getting better. I've spent everything I had trying to find peace and hope and joy, and I spent everything on a relationship. I've spent everything on. I'm not getting better. You might be here this morning and just, I've heard who Jesus is, I've seen who Jesus is, and I want him, and I'm going to fight to touch him. I'm going to get past everything I have to. I'm going to get to him. I'm not going out the same way I came in. I'm not leaving church this morning the way I came, the brokenness I felt inside. I'm not, I'm not leaving here with, without the, Jesus himself ministering to me. You might be Beyond that point, you might be just your expectation level. And you might be saying to yourself, God, this is really the best you could do. You might be beyond that. You might have found healing in your life and you 
called to minister to somebody else. This morning, I just invite you to respond. We're going to sing a song desperate for you. Are you really? When you're desperate for something, you get the picture of somebody who's hungry, somebody who's thirsty. They'll dig through the garbage. They don't care who's looking. It's the only thing on their mind. I'm hungry. I have to, ha- I have to get it. I'll go do whatever it takes to get it. Some of you say, uh, you sing a song, I'm desperate for you, Jesus, but yet your mind is, what's for dinner or who's going to win the Bears-Packers game? Can you honestly, from your heart, sing, desperate for you, Jesus? Only thing on my mind, only thing on my heart. Jesus, I want you. Can we respond, please?